The following podcast contains some strong language and some very average opinions. It's probably best if you don't listen at all. The Roaring Peacock Podcast. Whoa, Rodrigo Moreno. Hello, welcome back uh, to the Roaring Peacock podcast. We talk about Leeds United and amongst other things. Uh, my name's Adonis. You know me as at the Adelites on Twitter, and you can see my face there now. So, a very good hello from me. And joining us to discuss Leeds Watford, Jesse Marsh on Talksport, Norwich versus Burnley, the week weekend in general, Leeds finances, and the scum protests. And we'll also be joined by uh, Stephen Wignall of uh, of marching out together to talk about the Peacock's mural. It's that clown from the internet at Barney LUFC 21. Oh, yeah, all right, mate. <laughs> uh, and Big Mac, the Prince of Darkness himself at Ewan Metcalf. The Northern Danny Dyer, as I'm now going to ask, insist on being called. Right. <laughs> the Northern Danny Dyer. Uh, so a couple of new nicknames then. Um, Barney, let's start off with you. Bob's been on Talksport and he's decided to call himself Tom and call you that clown from the internet. <laughs> well, basically, it's um, the comments Jesse Marsh had said today about the training, the overtraining of players. And I basically said, yeah probably right we all thought this to a certain extent but is it right to say that especially on a, a platform that like talk sport then all of a sudden it just blew up um i mean to be honest <laughs> i agree with it but people have just taken something out and it's not actually they've lost their heads on it and apparently i'm a clown now which probably is a little bit true sometimes but that's just let's just let's just think about what tweeted and then think if i've actually lost my head up about it i mean there was actually some good debate in the thread but then someone says someone said about the the, the, the some of the quote tweets were just ridiculous oh it's just typical our fans are embarrassing sometimes or lose their head over anything and i said have you actually read the thread that's one of the most annoying things about twitter someone will see what someone's tweeted rather than reading the whole thread in the yeah. tweet and then get an opinion then first. You see, before today, like before any of this, I was just, you know, I wrote I wrote an article today for, for the BBC this morning and I was just sort of saying, you know, basking in the sunshine of um, the, the Watford game, easily pleased, 3-0, you know, we've pretty much stayed up. Leeds fans singing, you know, we're staying up and limbs all over the place, draped over, over seats, you know, two or three rows down, um, some very old... Old looking men, no offense if you're in that careful, photo. Careful, careful. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but it was a fantastic win, a fantastic feeling. And I surfed those feelings for a long time. Uh, I don't really like too much drama. And then come on Twitter and everyone's at each other's throat fucking throws again. Brilliant. I love it. It's just such a great platform and it's so positive. Uh, <laughs> Ultimately, the takes bang on, Barry. That's exactly what I've said in various guises and, and on various platforms today. That you know, everybody could see that the players had 
been they're a bit shot a lot of them you know i said about rodrigo you know he, he looked shot under bielsa and under that man marking system he wasn't, he wasn't alone i thought dallas hadn't looked as, as energetic and, and lorente and, and uh you know others clitch but it's, it, in my opinion as as of yours i just feel like you know he, He's probably right in what he said, you know, that that was killing the players and that they did look shot and that they were running out of, you know, physical, that amount of focus in every game, three games a week, two games a week, whatever, that amount of concentration, the physical and mental demands that puts on individuals must be a strain. And it was showing, wasn't it? I think, you know, we said they looked like they were disjointed, they were disarming, there was no harmony there, there was... You know, almost like they didn't know each other. It was it was nothing like the football that, that, that we played the year before, the season before. So he's, he's probably bang on. The, our view, which I think is the right view, is why go on that horrible platform, that horrible radio station, and say it because they're just looking for sensationalist stuff. They've got enough, you know. The kid who used to play for Wolves and Tottenham, I can't remember what he's called now, is insignificant. Jamie yeah, that's exactly. You know, he won't be remembered as long as Bielsa in certain quarters, will he? I can't remember his name now. And he only finished playing ten years ago. <laughs> um, you know, Agbon Lahore, others that are just on there to you know click bait and kind of get people ringing in and sensationalist stuff. To do it on that platform and do it in that way, which I felt was a little bit disrespectful towards Bielsa because he's clearly his his techniques and his ways of working had worked for a period of time and it had run its course. I think I think everybody can agree on that. But just to say it on that platform, I think, was the wrong thing to do. And it won't do him any favours. All it's going to take now is him to have a bad run or the players look a bit tired for a couple of games and it's going to come back to haunt him. That's I can't see any positive things that come out of him saying it on radio, whether he thought it, whether he said it privately, whether we all think it is irrelevant. He's gone on radio and, and confessed that he's, he's picked up the players from this lost and, and exhausted position, which I think is wrong. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things um, to me uh, that that I've I've seen recently. One of them was um, an interview with Guardiola, actually, and uh, he was saying that one of the things that he learned from Barcelona was that after the third or fourth season there, he realised that he needed to adjust things afterwards. So later with Bayern and now with Man City. He does things like he has a, a leadership group in amongst the players and they pass on information and they motivate the rest of the squad. Um, you know, Bielsa, he's never he's never been at a club for as long as he was at Leeds. Yeah. So maybe that is a lesson that Bielsa didn't learn. One of the lessons, on the other hand, that Bielsa learned was, you know, being ripped to shreds by um, people in the media in various countries, Argentina, Chile, Spain. And um, through that experience that Bielsa had, he was very, very careful with what he said to the media (laughs) in order to try and minimise the clickbait. So I think there's there's probably some lessons that both of them can, can learn from each other. I think we all said it at various points throughout the season is that um, Bielsa's inability to adapt to the changing situation this season really cost him. And that's what Jesse was saying, wasn't he? What he actually said then, I just want to, I just want to like clarify this, uh, in case we get sort of too sensationalized, uh, either between us or in the chat, but he said the injury issue had a lot to do with training methodologies. 
these players were overtrained. It, it led them to being uh, physically, mentally, psychologically, emotionally in a difficult place to recover from week to week, from game to game. I have a reputation of having high running data, but also healthy players. You could see in the 15th minute of some of these games uh, when they were almost at the limit and they shouldn't, that shouldn't be the case. People are so incredible. Um, yeah. So that was about the training. And then at, actually towards the start of the interview uh, on TalkSport, uh, he, he actually said there's been dialogue trying to compare Marcelo and myself, which I find ridiculous. If you've only been a fan, commentator or a pundit, you don't really know what it's like to work on the inside of a team and everyone has uh, the right to their opinion, but the only opinions that matter are the ones here inside Thorpe Arch. So he already preempted all of it yeah. <laughs> at the start. <coughs> the, the point remains that we can all learn something from Bielsa, can't we? <laughs> Whether it be in life or football, you know, that, that how to deal with the media probably, even though he did it in his own indomitable fashion and his own style, you know, we can all always learn something from Bielsa. And, you know, he probably is a man that maybe is at the end of his learning if he, he does it his way and, he, he, you know, he's sort of not going to, he was quite stubborn. I think everybody can recognise, we all said that the injuries must be, nobody's, nobody's that unlucky two seasons on the bounce. You know, as soon as we started playing, better oppositions and the demands were there more consistently you know we, we've had a, a, a tragic position with injuries and some of that's got to be to do with players working at the very edge of their ability you know not abilities but their kind of physical capability so i think everybody recognizes that and, I, and i'm very conscious again it's worth saying that it probably gets back to barney's point that's only a very brief snapshot of the interview and it of course again of course talks what we're going to use that because it's the most sensationalist bit and it's caused ruptions, which is what TalkSport do, which is why I blocked them on Twitter. I don't listen to the radio station. I don't get involved in any of the debates with them because I can't stand that. You know, I can't stand the whole setup. Um, but it gets back to Barry's point. Why can't you have a, an opinion on a, a football team that you love and, and support without everybody else piling on and saying you're wrong? You know, it's about differing opinions. And somebody might. I follow people who don't agree with me sometimes on politics, on <clears throat> football, on various other bits and bobs. It doesn't. Unless they're ramming it down your throat or sort of reacting to posts all the time being really negative or, you know, contradictory, then just let people have an opinion and have a debate. If you want to have a debate or just let it wash over you, but it's just a, it's a toxic platform at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, Barney was a was a Tory for, for, for ages, but since we've converted him... <laughs> we've converted him. <laughs> we can be friends now. We got, we got that much shit, he changed his tune. <laughs> I've just got my mum to turn around now and I've done the full set. <laughs> That'll be a harder gig. And if, if you look at the thread in, in the thread, I actually said, yeah, I think he, 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 the players did look knackered, not physically, but also mentally as well. And I totally agree. That's that, I mean, the fact that Phil Phil mentioned in his podcast that this, this, this season, when things weren't going right, Bielsa was using double or even triple murder ball, and even the players had turned around and said, "This isn't sustainable. We can't do this." Start this when Bielsa first came in. Murder ball was fantastic, and the, what frustrates me about why it's on Talksport, Talksport have had this agenda since Bielsa was at Leeds about Bielsa burnout, and with Jesse Marsh saying that on their platform, that only emphasises their opinion on Bielsa burnout. And I said. I said in the thread, maybe he could have used a different platform. Maybe a, a high quality, um, 
news outlet. Uh, I mean, he had an interview on the Athletic and was never really mentioned about about it in there. And like like Hewan says, talk sport are always going to sensationalise it even more than what it actually is. And maybe I I bit as well with a clickbait and probably I have only emphasised it even more a little bit. I'll probably take that on board. But sometimes it's football's opinion. If you if everyone had the same opinion on life or football, it'd be pretty boring. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the interview, he said um, he was asked about the people of Leeds and he said uh, people are so incredibly open and friendly and warm. He was comparing the German people. He was saying that Germans are quite cold. <laughs> um, he says there's a genuine to this a genuineness to this region, meaning Leeds, West Yorkshire, that really resonates with me and the fans have been nothing but positive when they do recognise me. So there you go. A nice little warm note to to, to sort of finish on. Living in Harrogate, apparently. Oh, that's it. It's all going to go downhill now. I told you. Get moved, get moved, getting moved to Weatherby or somewhere. It's funny because our kid was saying that he, um, it, when Biel, when the news came out that Marsh was coming in, Bielsa was going, Bielsa was apparently going to say bye to the players I think the same day Marsh or the morning that Marsh was going to arrive at the at Thor Park. So quite a few people, including our kid, went up to the... Um, to the training ground and he was like i was going to sort of pull you back on your quote there that he actually said data he didn't say data he said data. <laughs> like running data and it immediately annoyed me but apparently he got out of the car and he was like hey everybody great to see you thanks for coming out yeah great thank you and like our kid and a couple of others went we're not fucking here to see you mate <laughs> <laughs> People were really warm to me when I went to Thor Park the first day I arrived here. Yeah, they were all waiting for Bills to make that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for me, again, like, I have to emphasize this point. I support Leeds United. Hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it was like beautiful what, uh, to quote Phil Hay, what, what Bielsa did for Leeds, um, for the city for the club but it was also horrible to concede three goals a game and you know to just lose and just get pounded every single time and that that Spurs game his his last game in charge it it was when they as soon as they scored that first goal it was horrible horrible because it was a, a feeling of sadness for him and I wrote at the time that the real the real pain was Bielsa's philosophy not working, and actually, when we look back on it, it was it it, it was probably more his inability to adapt to the situation that, that was the real that was the real pain because we wanted him to succeed so much, and he was deified, and to a certain extent, absolutely rightly so. Um, but there are people now who are acting like this season didn't happen. And it's almost like he's died or something and you can't criticise him. Um, no, to a certain extent, Jesse was just being honest and probably he chose the wrong platform. He wouldn't know historically the Bielsa burnout agenda that they had and the, just the general clickbait talk shite. Um, but I have found it difficult to listen to some other Leeds podcasts um, because there's a lot of bitterness towards the board and, and everything else. 
um, for sacking Bielsa. And I think, I think it just had to be done as bad as it was. And when you think about somebody like Wilco, who took us to Division One, the old Division One, and then won it, went on to win it. Imagine if uh, this season we'd got anywhere close to the Champions League or, you know what I mean? He Bielsa, he would have cemented his place and he would have been upheld in the same, uh, you, you know, he'd probably be higher than Wilco um, given the current state of football. So it's just, uh, I don't know, people are acting like he can't be criticised. He could be criticised when he was here and he can be criticised now. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is a lot of hindsight as well. Oh, we, we should have got that midfielder. Um, we, sh- we should have spent some money in January. We should have done this in, in the summer. I told you this was going to happen. Well, it's all ifs and buts, though, isn't it? <laughs> if you knew that was going to happen, get into football then. It, people don't actually have a, an understanding of how a second season in the Premier League is the stats of actually staying up is ridiculously low. So you're not going to gamble again in the second season, especially when we spent 90-odd million in the first season. So a lot of it's hindsight and this and that. And But I think, to be honest, with the with the uh, decision to get Marsh in, I think it's, it, at the moment it's, it's working. Yep, I'd absolutely agree. Okay, some of your chat then. Uh, Wahoo, says Nora. It's uh, just generally happy or happy to see us, maybe. A brilliant game at the weekend. Leads forever, MOT, says Brian L. Uh, all clowns, aren't we, says Nora. <laughs> uh, said I wasn't bothered about performance, just to win 3-0 will do. Yeah, we haven't talked about that. We'll uh, have to get onto it. Um, Alison and Marty Adams. Uh, Jesse done no wrong. He was honest. Um and like Jesse to say, uh, no big egos in the first team, uh, but some in the under twenty three is just just honest for me. Yeah, interesting. Um, don't go on Twitter and never will says Gail. <laughs> Somebody looking after their mental health always lovely to see. And uh, Jesse was asked the question. He didn't he didn't say Bielsa's methods were the reason the players were tired. He's been very respectful to Bielsa, I think. And that's kind of what I wanted to, to finish on as well. It's just like, if you listen to the interview, he sort of started it off by saying um, that there's been a lot of comparisons uh, with him and Bielsa. And then I think he was basically just defending himself. Like if you, if you listen back to what he was saying, he was sort of, he was making that criticism of Bielsa, which we've again said is, you know, okay to do. And then he was saying, I have a reputation for having high running data, uh, but also healthy players. Yeah. I think the, the, the biggest sin is it's on talk squad. That's the thing, isn't it? It's just mm. like, you know, maybe if you'd like, Brian said, if you'd said it on a different platform, even in a, in a different way where people maybe read the full context, but what TalkSport have done is what TalkSport have done forever, which is to sensationalise the bit that's going to get the most coverage and the most kind of, uh, well, rile people the most, I think, probably, and, and cause opinion. And I guess that's what their job is, but I just can't stand them. I mean, again, I muted them and haven't listened to TalkSport since Colin Murray left and he left for, you know, I always find it funny when Scousers ring up and they sort of ban the sun, you know, don't buy the sun, and they listen to that shit. And it's, owned by the, <laughs> it's owned by the same group that, you know, when they're ringing in and 
you know, sponsoring that that radio station. It's the same group that own the Sun anyway, and it's like, well, you know, let's have it right. I just can't stand them, so I think that hasn't helped with my opinion on it particularly, just the fact it's there and uh, what have you, but that's just my opinion on that trashy uh, radio. Right. Uh, well, it's been a long time since we've we've had a guest jump on halfway through, so uh, there's a knock, knock, knock on the door. And it's Hey! hey. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that looks a bit harsh. Thank you. Thank you. Let's have a close-up. No, let's move it back out. God. I thought we were going to go POV then. Yeah. Are we all good? Good, mate. Good, thank you. Very good, thank you, Wiggy. Just heard us covering the Marsh interview this morning. Right, yes. What did you think about that? I'll provide no comment because it probably <laughs> is not what you want to hear. You know my views on that, man. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I'm coming around slightly to him, right? Mm. A little. I'm going to be balanced now. Okay. I said right at the beginning, I would give him till the end of the season, and if he kept us up, I'd give him a chance. All right, yeah, you yeah. Haven't, yeah. You, haven't, you, haven't, you haven't given him till end of the season. It would be five minutes and you'll call him a used car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he's like a used car salesman, to be fair, but I am trying. Mate, mate, you're on, you're on shaky ground because you gave Tyler Roberts about two years. <laughs> Barney, help us here, mate. <laughs> right then, Wiggy. Uh, so you, you're here on official capacity, in an official capacity, chairman of the I board. Am. I am. I'm here to talk about some marching out together stuff, which has been a while since we've had a, a chat about some things uh, that we're doing over at marching out. So I thought it'd be a good time to come on and tell you all about it and update you all. I hope. Right. Uh, so, briefly, for anybody who's just maybe not aware, uh, if there is anybody, which there probably isn't, but let us know what marching out together are, who they are, and what what, what you you do. Uh, so where uh, Marching Out Together is Leeds United's LGBT plus supporters group, official supporters group now, which is uh, quite exciting. And we are there to uh, make Ellen Road and football inclusive to everyone, uh, especially our uh, especially our LGBT plus fans and allies and, and things like that. So we work how, closely with the club to do how do you How do you get the official name? Is that, did somebody set up a, a fake one or... <laughs> The club just one day referred to us as official, so we're taking it. Said <laughs> 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 unofficial. So they follow you on uh, social media now, then? I would, I would hope so, Barry. They better have been doing that for yeah, a long time. Better do. Oh we, oh, we need to have a word. Right. So, uh, there's going to be a, a Twitter uh, storm. Right, so you're here to talk about this mural, and I can reveal it now, maybe, in this tweet. There you go. Let's go full screen. Look at that. That's amazing. Isn't that lovely? It is. Really nice, that. Make it slightly bigger. And I want to be really honest, because, uh, well, because I just am very honest. I was really nervous about this when we when we decided on it and we, we got the, the pictures back from the from the artist. I was really worried. Like, I thought with with our fans, it'd go one way or the other. Um, and, and they may not kind of get where we're coming from and what we're trying to do with it but let me let me just be clear like the the um support the messages have blown me away and, and the guys that marching out on the board they were very um 
they were putting me in my place saying, you know, chill out, this is going to work, like people are going to get it and people are going to understand it. And they really have. And I think that's uh, that's really, really important because it's completely different to all the other mural, murals you see around the city, which have popped up. So it's a peacock and it says, we are so proud, uh, marching out together on the top. So can you tell us what the thinking was behind that? Yeah, so the... Uh, the mural is about, he's uh, obviously marching out together, but we also wanted to celebrate community and we wanted to nod to quite a few things that are, that are Leeds United. So obviously marching out together is, is the group's name. We are so proud links back to, to the song of uh, marching on together. And then these sort of things in there. So obviously the peacock is, uh, uh, well, is our, is our uh, what's the right word? Nickname. Like, yeah, nickname is our history. Club Nick, Bird. Club Bird Club is our bird. history. <laughs> but, <laughs> but a peacock's a really proud animal, you know, and that takes a nod to the LGBT plus uh, community in terms of us being really proud of who we are. And then there's a real subtle um, nod to, to kind of Ellen Road, so the way that the peacock is looking is looking towards Ellen Road as you, as you drive by it. And then you'll see in some of the peacock feathers, you've got the um, old smiley badge uh, of Leeds United, and you've got our badge in there as well. So, yeah, there's, um, there's, there's loads of little subtle things in there that I hope our fans get and see it and go, wow, that's incredible. It's an incredible piece of art. That's what was really important as well, to, to get the funding to be able to do it. it it's really beautiful. Like, it's, it's a masterpiece. I mean, it's actual art. I, I, you know, uh, there's there's one mural that says "You are me and me are you" or something. <laughs> yeah, literally. There's, there's, I mean, with with the with the with the with the uh, best will in the world uh, to the person who thought that up. It, it's a font, isn't it? Like, I mean, let's face it, it's not art, is it? I mean, this is <laughs> this is a real piece of art. There. And and we were really wanting to to create a piece of art, and I think uh, the the artist we chose is an international artist who did the this the mural at the side of the Leeds train station with the um, owls, and so it's the same artist. And uh, you know, we searched high and low to to get the correct person, and we consulted with them with our fan group to say kind of. What, what does Leeds United mean to you? What does the LGBT plus, you know, supporters group matching out together mean to you? What does Leeds United mean to you? And they took all our, our ideas on board and came up with something that I think is unique. And I'm not, you know, the, the murals for Leeds United that, that the Trust have done and that the others have done are fantastic murals. We just wanted to come to it, come at it from a completely different angle. And I think we have. Absolutely. Looks Looks and it's, it's like you said, the, the, the market thing about it is it's really different to, to every, you know, all the other mirrors that you, you see around the city. Just tell us where is it, Wiggy? Uh, so it's on the it's on the A sixty four. So where the DHS building is, it's just opposite there. Uh, it's on at the end of East Street's art, arts building, which we did with uh, it, it, their building. So we did it in consultation with them. It's there. Well done. So um, is it the old set pack boxing boxing club? People I think so. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. um, it's just in front of my old school actually there's a bit of history on me um but i went uh, like the amount of people that should see that every day especially once uh, once the bridge is done is north of fifty thousand people that drive over that 
every day and I had to drive by on uh, on Sunday and um, yeah, nearly crashed my car. <laughs> <laughs> drive responsibly, Wiki. <laughs> yeah, please do everyone. But I was just blown away by it. I think all my, my fears that I, as I say, I had at the beginning, they they they're completely gone because I think it's an incredible piece of art that represents marching out together. And I hope our fan base in the right way. How do you go about the funding with it? Uh, you get you get important people in important places to do important <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we got some funding from uh, Leeds Inspired, which is um, a council-run arts funding project thing, and, and you apply for the funding. So you've got to obviously put in uh, what it will mean for the community and what it will mean for the wider community. You have to make sure you're going to consult on, on what you're doing and why you're doing it, which is why we consulted with our fan group and we did some stuff with Leeds United. Um, so you you pull together your almost your bid, if you want, and, and why you want the funding, and then you get a, a yes or no and a tick in the box. So, you know, we got funding for that. The uh, We needed a big scissor lift, and I can't remember the company that donated that, but thank you to them. They did a great job and donated the scissor lift. So we got some we got some great people coming out of the community, community to help and support us and, and make sure it happened within a reasonable budget. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, and uh, it says uh, we are so proud. So just quickly then, Wiggy, are, are you doing anything for uh, Leeds Pride uh, this year? Yeah, we are. It's going to be here very soon, isn't it? I think uh, so Leeds Pride's back on for the first time in three years. So that's incredibly exciting. And if you haven't been down, you know, get yourselves down because it's a, a great day for both uh, LGBT plus um people and, and allies uh, at the last march we did two two years ago three years ago you, the trust came down and supported us and that was incredible just to have them there supporting us in the march and as marching out together we had a walking group of uh we, we were probably about 100 people which is fantastic in everyone in their Leeds United get up uh, so this year um obviously i haven't been here for, for two years and we're hoping Fingers crossed, bit of an exclusive that we, we are going to sponsor as Marching Out Together. We're going to sponsor part of Leeds Pride, which um, oh, we've got man. a bit of fundraising to do. But if uh, if we get it right, we'll we'll put the money in and we'll we'll sponsor it. So hopefully we'll see the Marching Out Together logo in places and, and we can build on what we've done before. Um, we're, we're now working with the club in terms of what, what they're going to do to help us achieve that goal. Um, and... Again, it's going to be a funny one this year because when we got to the Premier League, we were like, great, we'll never clash with the kickoff of the season because we used to clash with it in the AFL because it's the week before the Premier League season. Mm. So, like, never clashed with them. Brilliant. But obviously, it's going to kick off at the same time this year as the AFL because of the World Cup. So, we are going to clash. So, hopefully, the club um, will send a player. Uh, that would be amazing if they could and that's what we're going to work on with them that will do the match with us um, we know that um, our manager uh, our head coach he did the march in San Francisco so it would be great to have him there so we've got loads of plans to work through with the club over the next couple of months um, but yeah it's really exciting and I'll update you uh, nearer the time in terms of exactly what we're doing it will be it sounds like it, it won't be too hard of a sell to him anyway <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, um, thank you very much, Wiggy. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for all that you do for the community, uh, for everybody involved. I think I think it's you know we can no matter what orientation uh, you make us proud uh, to be to be Leeds fans and and to know you. That's brilliant. And next time I'll come on as a peacock. I think. Yeah, <laughs> do it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you guys to it tonight because you're talking about things that I probably didn't watch at the weekend because I didn't watch the game. So I'm really honest. You guys talk about that, and I'll watch. Thanks, Wiggy. Best Cheers, of luck guys. with the mural. Cheers, there, mate. Cheers Wiggy. Yep. Oh, look out for your your invite to the launch party. We'll announce that as well soon to uh, to our members, and there will be one for the peacocks. Excellent. We'll Great be there. Right. So there you go. That was Wiggy. <clears throat> the Peacock Mural. That's a good bit of advertising for us, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Didn't have to do that. <laughs> didn't have to do anything like that. Didn't have to pay for it. Didn't have to contribute. Just... <laughs> oh, dear. A uh, couple of comments. Smash that like button, says Gail. Thank you very much, Gail. And please do that. Uh, support us. We're... <laughs> find it particularly difficult to sell myself or, or the show. Is that is it embarrassing somehow? No, we're, we're humble, aren't we? We just keep doing what we do. People want to watch, great. If they don't, well, you know. We're not in it for the accolades, are we? Thank God. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, Gail says, uh, don't see us on 33 points with Bielsa. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Nicholas Griffin, a few bad results don't tarnish the previous three years. Pep said he couldn't do what Bielsa did and how mag magnificent he was. Uh, Toby Hutter, maybe bad form for Jesse to say what he did on TalkSpot this morning, but not entirely untrue. I think that's pretty much that pretty much sums up our feelings on it, doesn't it? So let's move on then. Leeds versus Watford. Barney? <laughs> I mean, we should be really excited the fact we won 3-0 away. But it was just awful football. You could see in patches what we were trying to do, but some of it was just awful. It was just awful to watch it. There was no quality in the game whatsoever. I mean, even Jesse um, alluded to alluded to it that basically Watford don't want the ball, but we were literally giving them the ball so we could do what we wanted to do in our in our game plan. Um, I think some of the positives throughout the game was. Really, really impressed with Greenwood, and I don't want to get re over over overboard with him because of he's another another twenty three who's going to uh, solve all our problems. But I've been really impressed with him at Watford, and also since he's come come on under Marsh, um, it was fantastic to see Phillips in again. Cooper just a, a a wall of a man, just fantastic of the way he captains that side at times. Okay, Big Mac. Yeah, I, 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 we we spoke quite sweet, but the days of you know kind of pining for brilliant, exciting, entertaining football are long gone. <laughs> the, the most important, the only important factor is we got three points. You know, we, we kept a clean sheet. You know, we scored three goals, which we haven't done very often this season. That's it. You know, I, I think that the you know when you're eighth or ninth and you're safe or you're kind of you know, even when you get towards the top, the nerves kick in. You can kind of see that it's not quite clicking because it's weird because I can kind of see that they're not playing, they're not expansive anymore. They're kind of quite 
limited, which I think the players are finding quite hard to adapt to. But there's a reason for that. It's to make them more compact and it's to make them less easy to break down. So, you know, we, we concede a goal or two. Wolves aside, we're out. We're usually out of the game, aren't we? You know, we want to score first. It's usually really important. It, it, you know, we, we want to try and keep a clean sheet because that usually gets you something, and that's where we're at right now. In it, if we draw the next six games, you know, we're staying up, aren't we? Um, so I think that they're the only important factors for me now. I, I think we, we can look forward, hopefully, to playing in the Premier League next year. It's not safe yet. It's not done. Because I've seen a lot of people saying that's it now. We're safe. I kind of said 35, 36 points quite a while ago, and I'd probably stick with that-ish uh, as a maximum, maybe. But still, you want to get to that 37, 38 as, as quickly as you can. But yeah, they're the important things now. The, you know, if we, you know, again, hopefully we're in the Premier League next year and we kick on and we can afford to be a bit more expansive and Jesse will have time to impart his sort of culture and his ideas onto the team. He hasn't probably had that luxury as yet. But what we've done over the last four games is immense, you know, to take the points that we have from those games to show the grit and determination that we have. And as Barney said, despite it being a lacklustre game and not really being exciting, we got three points. And people were saying, oh, yeah, Watford, it's against Watford and Watford are rubbish. And, you know, they've given some good teams a game recently, Liverpool notably, um, you know, taking points off people. beat Everton, was it 5-2? I know Everton are bad as well, but... Let's not start all that. Oh, it's only against Watford, and he's only played War He's only played Watford and Norwich, and you have to beat who's out there. Um, and we're doing it. You know, we're getting the points we need to stay up, and that's the only important thing. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, hang on a sec. So, my my thoughts on the Watford game uh, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible to watch. Um, the the ref The ref was really poor. Watford was so bad. And and we weren't very good either, giving the ball away a lot. Um, there was a lot of huff and puff, but not not much technique until until that uh, Rodrigo goal, which we were absolutely gifted, gift of the season. Thank you very much, Watford. We'll take it. And um, and after that, we sort of relaxed and we were we were confident again and and. We hadn't had a two-goal cushion. Um, you know, we'd only had it once, and that was like the last 20 seconds or so against Burnley. So I think, you know, it, it's been so tense and um, harrowing um, and anxiety-riddled this season. And, it's, it's, you know, a two-goal cushion in a game, it always sort of calms you down. Uh, we haven't had it all season, so the anxiety has been amped up. Um, and then... Uh, as as you said, you and with injuries, we I don't think any of us have seen anything like it. Um, and whether that is because of training methods or whatever, or just bad luck, um, which could be a factor. Uh, and then I think we were all kind of hoping that in the, you know it was like for 16 years it was the EFL's corrupt, and we were kind of hoping for a better quality in refereeing when we got to the Premier League. <laughs> Uh, but still, it's been against us. So it felt like everything has been against us, is what I'm trying to say. And having a two-goal cushion felt like, for the first time in a long time, you, you know, that we didn't have to worry. And that's why people ended up, you know, three rows in front on on their ass and, you know, breaking uh, appendages. Um, 
uh, not looking very safe at all. So it was a weird, it was a weird game. Not a lot of quality. That first half, you can see what Rafinha means to us. Mm. Because on some days, he's the only player that looks of any decent quality at all. Um, you know, he was the difference between the two teams at half time. He had just that little bit of quality to stick the ball in the goal when he got the chance. Um, so, and he has had those moments and he looked really confident and he does look a lot better under Marsh, I have to say. The same as, you know, not as big of an improvement as Rodrigo, but um, so Rodrigo Moreno then. Let's talk about him and then we can talk about Cooper. Different player. Unrecognisable. Your confidence, effort, work rate, ability. Again, I've constantly banged the drum that I think he's, you know, he's a good footballer, he's intelligent, and maybe lacks some intelligence around him. You've just said it. I don't think there's many players who have his share his kind of um, football kind of ideas in the in the, in the heat of a game. You know, probably Rafinha is the one. That's probably why they link up at times really well. Um, so I do think he's he's possibly. Sometimes a little bit too clever for his own good, but unrecognisable. Uh, again, can't necessarily say on the weekend that he was man of the match, but he was certainly one of the better players. And, he, you know, we said it the other week, he's probably been in, in the man of the match frame for the last three or four games. Um, I can't remember the last time he played three or four games, five games as consistently as he's done as well, which is great to see because that's, Kind of when we bought him and he came, you know, he, he started and he played really well for quite a few games. And he thought, I've got a player here, you know, he's going to turn in week and week out. He's going to get a seven or an eight. He's probably going to score quite a few goals, going to create a lot. We're just starting to see that player back again. So, um, and he's got a song now, so he'd know that be be made up. <laughs> Barney, Barney, Liam Cooper. He reminds me of Pablo a little bit, where he drops into midfield and looks around for that Rodrigo yeah that way I thought yeah, yeah Rodrigo yeah for my, for my sanity for my sanity <laughs> yeah he's, he's starting to remind me a bit of what Pablo used to do where he used to drop in deep to get the ball and then spread the ball about and then just get into those little pockets of space to spread spread the ball about how many times I'm going to say spread the ball about <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> he, he looks a different player and I think when we first got him in he had the, 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 the pressure he must have been under to be the most expensive player we've ever signed for 27 million but I don't think he was one of those players that could probably work in a system under Bielsa he wasn't one of those players that's just going to run around all the time and do the man marking system <clears throat> and it showed in our midfield at times as well <clears throat> you got a bit of Sean Dyche there <laughs> yeah, I did a bit didn't I um, but get it in, get it in now while while you're in the Premier League. <laughs> but the the way the way he's come on as a leader as well. Uh, every game now recently, he's been pointing at players, do this, do that, shouting at players when they're not doing the right thing, disappointing players when they should have passed the ball at a certain time. And I think that that's that's what we've missed certain times for. Uh, in the in the system we've been playing and the fact that he's been put into the leadership group now as well shows that the it's not just about his playing style it's about also the the, the player he is as a person yeah it's freedom up hasn't it it's it's mm. freedom up to you know to grow into the, the person that that he can be and you know i feel like when you're the new person you're not gonna unless you're an asshole 
Uh, you're not going to immediately start yelling at everybody and telling everybody else what to do. But I know when I've been on a football pitch and I've been given the captain's armband, it makes me feel a hell of a lot better about myself. And um, I'm sure that the leadership team for every player who's been involved in that is it's done the same. It's raised them up uh, uh, to, to a new level. Right, uh, just quickly then, because I know I've said we can't compare um, but I just, I don't, I'm not comparing here, but I just want to say <clears throat> this is where we were basically after 27 games. And uh, this is like a form table uh, rather than the actual historical table. So here we were. I'm just going to put us on the side and then you can see it. Mute that a sec. So there we were. Uh, we played 27. Uh, we'd won five, drawn eight, lost 14. We were actually in the relegation zone, but I, I don't know why it hasn't done this properly, but it, it's irrelevant anyway because they're above us anyway. So we were actually here um, at, at the time when when we lost 4-0 uh, to Spurs. So that was after that game. Um, and now, of course, nine points clear. I, I think we're, we're almost there. I said it today. 35.23 is the average number of points needed. So just one more win from the next six games. And we're basically clear, you would have thought. So overall, we have to be happy with Marsh, no? Top 10. I'm telling you. <laughs> Top 10. <laughs> four points, four points off nine. Well, that, that's uh, how crazy this league is this season, is that... We're, we've, we're from one game away from relegation to a game playing in, in being in the top 10. That's how tight you've basically got. This is like the other second or third league within this league where you're fighting to get into the top 10. So it's it's just mental, really, if you look at it. Okay, moving on. Uh, Leeds finances. You did a thread on, you did this uh, a poll on this, didn't you, Barney? And yeah, and it, it was, was quite close, actually. Surprisingly close. Uh, mm. you, you were sort of saying, uh, is Rads doing it on the cheap? And uh, most people said no, uh, but a few of them said yes. So here's the Swiss Rambles thread. Uh, uh, leads financial results for 2020-2021, uh, when promotion led to a big improvement from £62 million loss in the Championship to £26 million profit in the Premier League. Uh, about I mean, twenty one million pounds of that was a loan that was written off. So it's really like five million pound. Um, uh, revenue more than tripled from fifty four to club record one hundred seventy one million pounds. Also boosted by twenty one million pound loan write off, which we mentioned earlier. So Leeds finances is Rad's doing it on the cheap. To quote that, to quote Barney. <laughs> on you in oh hang on sorry i've been having to mute you because uh we've been getting oh. echoes right there you go sorry, well, sorry also, also, I've, got, I've got work going on in the house my sons are playing on xbox and they're shouting so it's no doubt, no doubt you've had to mute me um <laughs> no he hasn't done it on the cheap you know he's doing i think sensible and and as, as barney's alluded to you know don't matter how much you spend look i mean look at everton there's no guarantee that you're going to stay in the league, particularly second season. I mean, Everton have been in it forever, aren't they? And they're still struggling, having spent millions. So I think he's just been sensible and, and slightly um, 
prudent, I guess, with the decision making. And 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 I think Bielsa was an advocate of not just bringing in players for the sake of bringing in players. And it's impossible to bring in players who are going to improve the squad now, even though we know that there's probably players who this could well be the last season. You know, with Leeds in the Premier League, you know, players who've been brilliant servants. I think you've got to be a bit brutal at times and a bit ruthless, but. Still, to bring in replacements for those players at any level is going to cost a lot of money. And I think what we want is to bring in improvements rather than just and improvements that are going to, you know, we've now created with Bielsa this identity, this culture, this kind of, it's, it, it sort of transcends football. Um, and I think that it's even harder then to find players that fit in with the, the, the dressing room um, and the culture and ethos of the, of the team going forward. And I think that's something that, We've all been really proud of, and I guess that Rabrizani and others will want to continue. So I don't think he's doing it on the cheap. I think he's, he's, you know, you can't look at his tenure and look at it with anything other than, you know, anybody who owns a football club is going to make mistakes, but you can only look at it with with pride, really, and with satisfaction. I guess that um, after all those years in the wilderness and with some pretty appalling owners, one way or another, we've got somebody that I think truly cares and, you know, has invested a lot of money. I think. One of the only clubs with Sheffield United, I think, you know, in those figures that we saw the other week to, to turn a profit in the Premier League the other season. I haven't got a problem with that. You know, I, 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 I sincerely haven't got a problem with, you know, being run financially um, astutely. So, no, absolutely not. And that's why I voted him, voted that way in Barney's poll and made that, that kind of comment, really. There you go. So that was the profit and loss before tax. So their leads are £26 million. Wolves are top £145 million, But uh, £127 million loan was written off. Exactly. The way you and, do it, there's a way to do it, I think. Right. <laughs> Which seems a bit ridiculous, to be honest, with the profit and loss. Sheffield United, of course. Uh, Manchester City, who have been investigated by Der Spiegel. For the last few years, uh, they also made a profit through some sort of weird sponsorships that uh, it, it reminded me of Sheffield Wednesday, how they were sponsoring like the seats and everything. That <laughs> they set up a fake taxi company, uh, you know, just stuff like that. Um, uh, so, I, I, you know, and what I said at the time, didn't I, Barney, was... You know, if you look at the state of football finances in general, look at everything that's gone on with Qatar. I mean, mm. agents' fees, uh, players getting paid enormous, like hideous amounts of money. Um, it's just rife with corruption uh, to the core. You know, I think what what did what did oh, sorry, Ewan. Um, <laughs> Ooh, ooh, we've gone. <laughs> uh, what was it Bob Marley said? He, he said, uh, don't sell your soul for for gold or something like that. I, I think we're doing all right. I think we're doing okay. And and for a fan base that has been through Risdale, uh, I mean, and and as you said, um, you and if you look at Everton, which is the, the key for me, I mean, they've spent 500 million pounds for what you know I've done it again uh to be a, <laughs> to be a couple of points worse off than us you try to tell me something 
I keep getting an echo. I keep hearing my own voice in your in your um, oh. things. So I was just trying to meet you. Anyway, Barney. I. It's funny how um, if it was any other business and it wasn't making a profit, you'd be questioning stuff. You'd be questioning how that business is being run. But because it's a football uh, club, he's saying, well, 20, 26 million, we could have got a midfielder for that. Well, it's not that easy, though, is it? 26 million. You're not just going to go out and pay 26 million. You've got to pay wages on top of that as well. And I alluded to it in a, a while ago is that it, when you get into the Premier League, it's not just about getting better and better players each season. It's about the infrastructure of the club. And I think it shows within other clubs where they're just, I mean, prime example, Everton, yes, scum. They've spent over nearly a billion pounds. And where's it got them? Because they've got no identity. They've got no structure. They've got no infrastructure. They're their stadium's falling apart, the roof's leaking and all sorts. I think sometimes as fans, we just need to understand where we are. It's our second season in the Premier League. And yes, last season, I was probably getting a bit ahead of myself because we came ninth. Like, right, we need we need to get to Europe now. But if you take a step back, we just need to understand that the stats for clubs staying up in the second league, in, in the second season, is ridiculously low. So if we stay up, and I think it showed in some of the in, in, in the uh, in the accounts that the potential we have with with our uh, income um, through um, retail and things like that. I mean, we're ahead of some clubs that have established Premier League clubs already. So I think that's a testament to how the the board is is looking at things differently rather than just spending a load of money. Um, I just think we just need to take a step back and understand we're doing it the right way. We need to do it. We need to be sustainable, but also spend money at the same time. And it's not that easy. Yeah. I think like scum are a weird one because, you know, when you think about the amount of money that they've spent, it's obviously alarming. I mean, alarm bells are ringing when you're spending a billion pound on, on players and you're not uh, at the level, say, Man City are, for example. Um, but the, the, the problem that Scum have and, and their fans have is that the owners have been taking out, on average, like 40 million pounds a season. And, you know, we've got a revenue of, you know, I think it was 171 million pounds there. Um, but Scum's revenue is about 600 million pounds a season. So that's why their their fans are, are, are pissed off is because the owner is leeching money out of the club. The Glazers uh, are leeching money out of the club through selling shares and they're not investing the same amount back. Yeah, and, you know, they're, they've also obviously, <laughs> I mean, hilariously, uh, but run it <laughs> into a fucking cul-de-sac. <laughs> It's, it's, the thing is, it's like, I think these days you need to have an identity. You know, Liverpool went all out to get Klopp and he's given them a football identity. Maybe not quite as, you know, kind of um, righteous as Bielsa gave us, but certainly he's given them an identity. You know, Man City brought Guardiola in, who's done the same at, at, at Manchester City. Um, you know, it's just you look at Man United and other teams that are there as well, possibly Tottenham. That, that, that you know should be pushing for that top six season on season and, and, and potentially are, but just you, you there's just soulless out there. And I know lots of Man United fans who 
you know, even despite, you know, would we swap with them? I'm not talking about culture and off the field activities, but would we swap to be sixth, seventh? Of course we would, but they're not happy because of the way, you know, the things that you've mentioned, but also the fact that it's vacuous, isn't it? The whole setup, you know, it's, I think Van Gaal described them as a, a commercial entity rather than a football club or, you know, and that's exactly what they are now. They're a commercial business. They're not a, they're no more a football club than, you know, I don't know, Virgin Media or, you know, British Airways or, you know, it's, it's just the way it is, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, it's, 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 as we said, it's brilliant. I mean, to, to look at that, I know we'll come on to it, but the, the, the protests that they're organising, just the desperation, it's absolutely superb. Um, it makes for brilliant reading. And again, this weekend, I'm not, I'm not really a big, I don't watch Man United's results, but to see them get beat, even though it was by Everton, it still makes me laugh. I still enjoy my weekends more if we win and they get beat. So, you know, the rivalry is still there, but I just think, you know, we, we're, I'm, I'm more than happy with the way that our club's been running. We talk about this sleeping giant being awoken. You know, you don't want to get up too quickly, do you, when you've been asleep? You want to sort of get up a bit relaxed and, and you know, have a cup of tea first or, you know, listen to a bit of music and then get up and have a wash and brush your teeth. You know, we, we don't want to get up and throw loads of money at the problem and then, come falling down because that's what as you said people have got short memories I, I've been a fan for long enough to remember the Ridsdale era and you know it, it undid us didn't it right is Bye. that it then right <laughs> on, <mate. laughs> uh, so a huge week really um, we basically stayed up uh, the finances were released um there was uh, another Twitter feud. Surprise, surprise. We can't go a minute without having some drama, even after we win. Um, and uh, and we had a pretty good weekend, actually. Norwich beating Burnley. Yeah, brilliant. Scum losing. Yeah. Was beating Watford. Yeah, it was pretty decent. Chelsea showing at the vulnerable. West Ham showing at the vulnerable. You know, we've got all... You know, you've got, the, you've got these teams that you're going to play, like Chelsea and, and Arsenal. Sorry, not West Ham. They were showing that, you know, they're not all that. They are vulnerable. They're not invincible. So as much as, you know, people always say you wouldn't want to play them the next game because they're wanting to prove a point, you know, they've suffered a bad result. Listen, if Brentford can go and beat Chelsea 4-1, I'm pretty sure we can. Um, you, you have to catch them on that bad day and you have to turn up yourself. But these the, these hard games that we've got left, um it's showing that uh, you know they're not invincible. We've got every chance of taking possibly, like we did last year, taking more points than we might have planned off some of those bigger, the bigger teams. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Palace on the twenty fifth, uh, Man City thirtieth, Arsenal away eighth of May, uh, Chelsea at home on the eleventh of May, which I'll be in town for. Uh, Leeds United versus Brighton on the fifteenth, and then Brentford away uh, last game of the season. So, how many points do you think we're going to get from the, from those games then? Last six. Hit me with some numbers. Nine. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of pundits are saying that they were talking about the um, title running and they're saying that. Man City could we could be a bogey team for them when they play players at home. That could be a and that's one of the games that <clears throat> I won't be able to go to. I've gone all Sean Dyche again. 
Um, so every game I've missed since I've been a season ticket holder, we beat Millwall 3-2. We built we beat Brighton in the championship under Monk 2-0 or 2-1, I think it was. 2-0, yeah. So, yeah, so I, th I, I think we're going to win that. There you go, I've said it. I think we'll beat Man City. <laughs> hey, listen, the pressure's on them. I, I think that the other counter-argument to that is bloody hell, did you see the game between them and Liverpool? Oh, just, yeah. It's, it's absolutely exceptional football. Mm. Played at a, a, a relentless pace. The quality doesn't dip because of the, the pace is, is, is so relentless. It, it, it's brilliant to watch. I mean, those two teams were, you know, it was a joy to watch the game and neither of them kind of took a backward step and didn't settle for the draw. They were still going for it. Um, I thought it was brilliant. So, I mean, listen, we've got our job, we've got our work cut out there, but I definitely think you can get at Arsenal and get at, get at Chelsea. I mean, I'd probably say eight, looking at the last six games, I think we might win a couple, draw a couple. And I think we'll probably get beat by City. And, and um, what we've got left, six. Yeah, I think we'll win win two, draw two, maybe lose a couple. Lose to City, I would imagine. And possibly lose to somebody else. Maybe one we don't expect. Maybe Chelsea. Um, if there's nothing on Brentford, you know, you don't know, do you? They're a good side at home, so... Um, yeah, I think eight that'll do work. I mean, it's I mean, it's, it's just so difficult to predict. That's the, that's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> because you know all of these these sides, we haven't sort of differentiated ourselves really between Palace, Brighton, and and as you say, you and Brentford have had a a really fantastic season. You have to say, uh, similar to us, really uh, last year when we came up, and then obviously. Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea on their day uh, can uh, can steamroll us. So it's going to be difficult. Every game in the Premier League is hard. And that's what I liked what you were saying, um, Big Mac, earlier in the podcast when you were saying, oh, you know, but Marsh has only beaten Norwich, Wolves and Watford, but they've had great results at other times as well. So I think on our, on our day, we can beat anybody and... Um, I think 18 points, somebody said. Nicholas Griffin said, I think that's a bit much to ask for. Uh, but I, I could see I could see nine points. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. And I think that the other thing is, you know, somebody else has mentioned in the chat, these are the games that we've dreamt about playing for 16 years. All them times we were playing Yeovil away and Hereford and, you know, whoever in championship teams, Rotherham, whatever, this is what it's all about, playing in this top league. is playing a tough game every week, whether it be a tough game for different reasons, you know, whether it be somebody who's fighting at the bottom or a Man City who are elite, you know, multi-million pound football team. This is what it's all about, isn't it? Right, yeah. Right, yeah. Let's, uh, I'm, I'm starting to wane here a little bit. Um, if you haven't liked the stream, please do so. If you haven't subscribed to us on uh, your podcast player or on YouTube, please do so. I've also had a bit of a change on Twitter. Um, so for six years, I've been uh, posting as or tweeting as um, the Adelites, a lot of Leeds United content, uh, but I've sort of um, come out of my shell. <laughs> Took a while. <laughs> bit scary. Um so you can see my ugly mug at the Adelites now, and I'll be tweeting. I guess I'll be called a clown like Barney. We'll be clowns together. <laughs> Start tweeting about um, politics and uh, yeah. 
and Boris and Ricky have it getting fined because they had a party. Right. And they weren't allowed to. Yeah. You can do that now. I know. I, I've yeah. realised that. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away from politics, mate. That's my advice on Twitter. Yeah. Some absolute. You think there's some bellends associated to football? Wait till you get involved in the politics side of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, me that's... Barry, me and Barry do a sterling job of football food bullshit. <laughs> that's, that's <the> thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was. I, I'll put my um, socks on with my sandals. I'll take a photo of it and you know <laughs> I'm th- I'm 35 good god I'm 35 look what's happened <laughs> there you go by the way speaking of uh, Sean Dyche and his pub lookalikes Barney has gone pure um Burt Reynolds pre-wig pre-syrup Burt Reynolds retire Barney you're never going to get a better compliment than that I'll say that from a clown to Burt Reynolds in, in an hour. Here's a, uh, we haven't done a thing, a thing, uh, what's your thing um, for a while. So my, my thing this week has been a, a TV show called Severance. And if you haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. Give it a go. That. Wow. What's, wow. The, what's, the, what's the message? The, the premise is, right, uh, you, you get a microchip in your brain and you go into work and you're like a, a, it's Wiggy joined us again. I hope not. It's a bit late. It's a bit, a bit weird, isn't it? Uh, I mean, he's happy, he's he's welcome to. Um, <laughs> coming back, telling you who the um, the scissor, you know, the scissor lift operator was that he forgot. I thought you were going to talk about scissoring then for a second. I thought <laughs> just keep it PG. Uh, we did we did the uh, German porn episode last week, didn't we? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you get a microchip in your brain and you lose all your memories essentially when you go into work. So the person you are in work is a, is a different person to the person you are outside of work. Um, I won't tell you too much. I don't want to spoil it, but it's, it's honestly, it's fantastic. Very, very twisted, very deep makes you think bit sci-fi elements, but it's not like, crazy aliens or spaceships or anything like that it's just it's just really 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 good so there you go what's your thing of the week my thing of the week is this book um so i've been reading this um i started reading it only came today but the club on the edge of town which is written by alan lane and it's a memoir of our pandemic memoirs he calls it so it's um a chronology, a, a sort of um, a tale of what happened during the pandemic at the Holbeck Working Men's Club, which is now run by a fantastic organisation called Slung Low, who are technically a theatre company, but during the pandemic set up a food bank, uh, helped us to set up and deliver on our aspiration for um, the Roaring Peacocks doing their All Elves, aren't we? Which was a campaign to raise money to buy um, disadvantaged young children in the Holbeck Beeston area a Christmas present um, which whenever I talk about it, it makes me really proud and and, and uh, brings back fantastic memories of sort of hoping to raise a few hundred quid and then raising up about four and a half grand and buying 300 <laughs> presents um, for, for, for again families who may have been under pressure and, and young people who might not have 
had a bountiful Christmas, and it, the, the 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 book just shares a, a, a story of how that club became a hub of a community during a very difficult period of time. But there's a chapter in there dedicated to um, the Roaring Peacocks and the work that we did around, um, you know, the, uh, the the pandemic, uh, the, the the supporting the food bank deliveries and putting together food parcels, but also the work around all else, aren't we? Which um, was a fantastic um, piece of work by everybody concerned with the peacocks at the time and just showed, you know what, I think Alan mentions in the book about, um, you know, it wasn't a government driven initiative. It wasn't uh, a Northern powerhouse made by a government. It was a Northern powerhouse made by brilliant people and brilliant stuff every day and working really hard to make an impact on the lives of others who were less fortunate. So that's been my thing for the last couple of days. So there you go. Read it, it, buy a copy. All the money, well, money goes to the charity. We're still doing amazing work in Holbeck, and uh, it's called um, The Club on the Edge of Town. And it's also for Leeds fans to bring it down to the podcast. It's a brilliant place to go for a drink before and after the game because um, it's very cheap beer, number one. Um, It's a walk away from the ground. And me and Barney and Rob, Juicy Rob, have been after the game and had a, a nice time in there. And it's also full of mental Norwegian Leeds fans. It's like. <laughs> Literally in Holbeck, which is a kind of suburb of almost the town centre in Leeds, the gateway to the south of Leeds town centre. And there's like 100 Norwegians in there and like me, Barney, and a couple of other English people. It's fantastic. So it's a really great experience. And uh, if you can afford, you know, 9 99 or whatever it is for the book, 12 99 I think it is, uh, buy a copy. Great people, brilliant work, lovely. You know, Alan Lane is a fantastic man. Um, I've got a lot of time for Alan and... Uh, if you read the book and you read the paragraph about me, he's obviously got quite a lot of time for me as well, which is a, is a first. <laughs> the oldest working men's club in the UK? Still open, yeah. Still operating working men's club in the UK. There you go. 1871. And they do uh, incredible work in the community, uh, not just the theatre company. They did food parcels, and that's what's in that book. And, of course, it was such a rewarding thing to do um all else aren't we so we're definitely going to resurrect that at some point barney your thing of the week apart from being called a clown on national radio <laughs> that's, that's every week for barney that's every week. i think it just leads on from what Hume was saying about food banks um a lot of things you see on social media recently about well you can make a meal from dry pasta for 50 meal 50 p and look this is what i made for one pound 20 per head <clears throat> people don't understand it's not just the price of food it's the actual price of making the food as well on top of that so people have got energy bills to pay for gas and electric so don't be a dickhead and think i i know how, how it works it's not that easy for people even people like myself in a probably a, a good situation i've got to take take cutbacks as well yeah i mean there's loads of costs isn't there <laughs> Uh, if you don't do any research, it's very easy to be very opinionated <laughs> about anything. Well, apparently everyone does the research, though, don't they? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so people have dependents. They, they've got, uh, uh, you know, medicines. They've got all, all sorts of – they've got childcare. They've got all sorts of things that they have to – pay for all these additional costs and normally the people who are saying you know oh, but it's only 50p 
you know, that they're often quite privileged in fairly privileged situations, aren't they? I think it is a lesson. There is no research to do other than going into those communities and seeing how it really is. You can read all the articles you want. And that was the beautiful, the humbling thing we've talked about before, the humbling thing for me and the thing that really kind of made me feel quite privileged during the pandemic. You know, my business was affected. My businesses were affected. Everybody was affected by it. It wasn't a great time for anybody. But I felt so lucky because I was going into communities, into households and into, you know, talking to families who had a smile on the face every day, but were dealing with severe hardship. Severe poverty. People can judge all they want. Oh, they still can afford fags and they've still got sky tea. It's a lot of bollocks. Go and see how these people live, really. Go and see some of the mental health challenges that have been, you know, um, fought against in the communities, you know, by services that are under pressure. That's the only way to do your research. And I think what, what the, 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 the food bank and working in that food bank for quite a long period of time, you know, a, year, a year's worth of volunteering and, and that's the research you do. And if you do something like that, and if you work with people like that in that context, mm. you won't make sweeping judgments like you do about you can feed a family, you know, on £2, whatever it is a week. It's a load of rubbish, you know. Um, that's the only research that matters to me. So you can talk about all you want. You can read the books, read the articles, whatever. Go and spend some time in those communities and see what you're really dealing with. And, and as you said, particularly at the moment with the, the rising living costs and, you know, uh, heating your house and gas and electric and water and everything, you know, um, the the choices are there for people that they have to decide whether to, you know, um, heat the house or feed the kids or feed some of the family and keep the house warm. That's the reality of what people are dealing with. And unless you've been spent time in those communities, don't judge people. Yeah, I mean, you've seen the images of, kids you know or i try not to eat too much i only have a piece of toast or something it's 2022 in in modern britain <laughs> you know and you talk about oh don't mention politics but there's always an implication there i mean <laughs> if this you only have to look at the crumbs at the bottom to understand you know trickle down thatchernomics isn't isn't working and um there's the evidence right there. I don't. I don't really care. I know some people support political parties like football teams, for example. I don't care about that. I just want whoever it is to do a decent job. Yeah, exactly. To be competent and caring and, and uh, in touch with what's going on around them. And I think that you, what you can say, I'm not a political person. People always perceive my sort of vaults and 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 ramp, you know rants at Boris and the, and the whole Conservative Party is me being a Labour spot. I'm not a supporter of any. Party. I'm a supporter of, you know, good people doing brilliant work, whether they be whatever colour flag they wear, you know what I mean? So the point that, that they've embarrassed themselves for such a long period of time and lied and got away with it and not being in touch with their people that they're serving is the embarrassment for me. You know, and that's the only thing I will say, you know, I, I, I'm not a political person, although it's unavoidable in life, but, you know, like me and like many others, I go out every day to try and do something positive to impact on the lives of other folk and, that's all you can do in it to not just have your own self-interest at heart. Um, and it's a shame that there's not more people in government that feel the same. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think it, it, it's so easy in general to sort of, uh, you know, get downhearted and look on social media. I mean, Jesse Marsh was saying it today. He was saying, oh, I think it's ridiculous how people are comparing myself and, and BL. So I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I think it you can't really compare 
um, managers different circumstances, isn't it? I mean, there's always going to be this new manager bounce and on all of that. And it it's the same in, you know, in the same interview, in the same 15 minutes, he was sort of saying um, the, the, the people of Leeds and the people of this region are, are so incredibly open, friendly and, and warm and um, uh, I've uh, had nothing but positivity when people do recognise me. So I think it's always important to have that balance of like, you know, there are more good people than annoying ones. It's just the annoying ones are really loud. Yeah, get more, get more coverage. <laughs> <laughs> right here. Uh, I think that's about all we've got time for. Final thoughts, Barnes. Hit me, hit me with some wisdom. Um, what, what did you glean from <laughs> Minder today? Did you? Did, were there any morals of? You've been watching some um, trash TV today. I understand. Oh yeah. What did I, which one was it today? No, I can't remember now. Is that good? <coughs> um, basically, Barry's in a you... Groundhog Day of Minder and uh, <laughs> late 80s uh, ITV television. Basically, read a thread first before you comment on stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Read about things before you make form an opinion. That's a, that's a yeah. good rule in general, I think. Yeah. Mm. Big Mac? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, want some, you want some sort of intuition, some uh, wisdom. Why not? Why not? Uh, it could could be anything. Uh, well, let's let's bring it round to um, Slunglo and, and their mantra, which is uh, "Be kind, be useful." We go again tomorrow. Right. Okay. Right, there okay. you go. Like that. Like and that. my final thoughts are: if you're getting into debates online. Uh, then I strongly recommend looking up something called logical fallacies. Therefore, you spell that and type it into... Uh... <laughs> right, there you go. Uh, flawed, deceptive or false arguments that can be proven wrong with reasoning. Uh, and um, here's the, the best schools, there you go, and um, 15 types of logical uh, fallacies, and it, and it sort of goes through them. So these are the... Uh, the weapons of, of debate, if you like. And if you can recognise them, uh, then you'll uh, sort of remove the emotion from uh, when people are being sort of angry and dumb at you. Right. Two weeks without football. Amazing. Can't <laughs> wait. Good. What are we going to do? Argue on Twitter. <laughs> su su support every team Burnley are playing uh, yeah. against. Um Definitely. Watch well, some... we'll, know, we'll know where we stand, won't we, after that? That's the point. Be, I mean, will we have a game on hand by the time they ne we next play? Exactly uh, right. Palace, I think Palace, you know, final thought again for me, Palace is a big game in it again. You know, we, we win that game, depending on how Burnley get on, that, that could be could be home and hose, could we? We could indeed. Um, so let's leave it there then. And some final thoughts from everybody else uh did you hear marsh's comments on his interview with talk sport we talked a little bit about that at the no what did he say we didn't oh, okay uh loved all elves says nora um it sounds like a great book for the common people it says uh, jonathan kravitz he's gonna get that uh, some pulp stuck in my head now pulps is a book as well there's the thread uh that you should read there you go um putting it all together see see what i did there i mashed yeah, it all together that... bloody hell amazing Gail Dale, uh, away from home teams who begin with uh, W, we win and score three goals. 
It's a good, good fact that if she's you know new stats, new wiggy. Sounds good. Get more of them in the Premier League. Uh, Nova, the partner of that bell end uh, of an MP, they claim two hundred thirty thousand pounds in expenses. <laughs> there you go. More politics. Wow. Uh, Barney's got John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Let's move on. West Ham Wolves and Watford says Gail. There you go. Uh, West Ham we play, don't we? Do we? No. Have I made that up? No. Forget that. <laughs> Burnley. West Ham play Burnley. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Good yeah. pot. Catch you all uh, later next week. Lise, 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 says Derek. Fucking hell, is that me? <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Right, just look, John, John, in case there you go. He's a mind hunter. There's an episode of Mind Hunter where he's uh, interviewed. Uh, instant regret clicking enter there. No offense, Barney. A serial killer? That's on the thread. <laughs> yeah. You go from clown to Burt Reynolds to serial killer in, in like an hour. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we were talking it's about a good day, I don't. Logical fallacy, which is a, a behavioural study. So uh, we're ending on um, the CS, uh, the FBI's uh, behavioural criminal behaviour department. Uh, there you go, the origins of that. Uh, agreed, you and I do stuff with food, not bombs, and without them, so many people would be bollocksed. Is that is he turned that into a, a noun? That's that's, that's fantastic. Um, everybody's against us. Says, uh, Gail, I agree. Uh, Rodrigo, I didn't see this coming, says Gail. She's catching up, clearly. Uh, Nicholas Griffin. Boris is saying, uh, go cold, hungry, and wear all clothes whilst organising illegal parties and help fund uh, USA proxy war by making us pay through his pitiful sanctions. There you go. There's a sentence with some politics for you, Nicholas Griffin. Uh, Coops, not my favourite, but I think we've missed him. Great stream tonight. That's something we can all disagree on as well. At least for MOT, <laughs> says Brian L. At least these leads, says uh, Nicholas Griffin. Can't trust any politician, says Gail. And Gacy was a killer clown. So that's the connection there. Excellent. So all clowns, aren't we? Another fantastic podcast. It's been a pleasure to uh, do this with you. It's been a pleasure to... Uh, again, uh, have uh, Wiggy, chairman of the board, on talking about the uh, Peacock mural. Thanks for the free advertising. No, but seriously, <laughs> it's wonderful what they're doing. Uh, very proud to be uh, associated with them, however tenuously. And uh, proud to be with you fellas as well. Barney, LUFC 21. A clown from the internet and uh, Big Mac. The Danny Dyer of the North. There you go. A Northern Danny Dyer. What, 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 I can't remember who said I think it was my lad said, is that a good thing, Dad? I thought, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it is. I think it's meant to be a compliment. Yeah. And the thing is, I've gone very monochrome now. The lights have dipped in my front room and I can't be asked getting to turn the lights on. So I've gone, <laughs> I've gone backwards in time. I'm in black and white now. It's brilliant. It was, it was only a couple of months ago that Wiggy was accused of being Danny Dyer in a nightclub. I've just remembered. Yeah, he did. He gets look like it. I think it's more my persona, but I think Wiggy got a genuine thought. Somebody thought it was Danny Dyer. So I'm the northern Danny Dyer. I don't know what... Yeah, Wiggy's just Danny Dyer of, of Leeds, isn't he? Uh, the double doppelganger Danny Dyer. Easy for me to say. Right. See you later. See ya. Yeah, Come on, every team other than Burnley. Come on, Burnley.
Come on. Oh, well, I... 